Hello, and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Toby Hemmings. Coming to you from the studios of 2SER in Sydney, on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and right around Australia on the Community Radio Network, as well as wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at business issues making the news. This program is made possible with the assistance of the UTS Business School. We're coming up to the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. You may have noticed shopping centres are getting into the Yuletide spirit after a long year of lockdowns. Tinsel is up and Mariah Carey is blaring through the speakers. Most retailers make around 30% of their annual income from this time alone. But is consumer confidence high after 18 months of COVID? And will issues with global supply chains lead to empty stockings under the chimney? Let's meet our panel. I'm Brian Walker. I'm CEO of Retail Doctor Group. We're an inside strategy deployment business. We build business channels for retailers. My name is Sanjay Paul, and I am a senior lecturer and the program director of operations and supply chain management group at UTS Business School. It's been a few weeks since lockdown restrictions on non-essential retail were lifted across the country. Brian, we're going to start with you. In your experience, have people been getting back to the shops for some retail therapy? Yeah, it's a really good question to start with. You know, this is a $360 billion industry. And fundamentally, what we've seen through COVID, and we were seeing prior to COVID, the COVID has accelerated this almost division between buying that is commoditized online shopping, particularly, or online buying, I should say, and this idea of shopping where people come out and actually go to shops. So the short answer is yes, we're definitely seeing a bounce back into physical retail. And one of the big drivers for that is that we are social by instinct. Retailers now have to think about their model in terms of how their customers use time. And in turn, what we're seeing is retailers moving more and more to this omni-channel positioning, that is physical stores with an online supplementary offer and available for business 24-7. But definitely the numbers will show, on average, online retail pre-COVID was about 10% of all retail sales. In Australia, it's currently at about 14.5%. Expect that to adjust back a little bit um, as more shops open. So basically, you're saying that during the lockdown period, we did see retailers shift more into that online space. Uh, We did see those that were well positioned, that had built the back-end architecture, had good databases, were able to shift and pivot to online doing so. But we see that as principally driven in terms of spikes in business by the fact that shops were closed. As shops reopen, expect online to mature on average, and flatten out again. At the same time as shops were closed, we also saw the global supply chains that were critical to the transportation of stock from shore to shore were impacted by the pandemic. Sanjoy, I'll, I'll bring you in here. What are the mm. challenges that the pandemic exacerbated for supply chains? I believe this is a really important question to answer. What we have seen this pandemic created multidimensional impacts. What does it mean? Mean is the impacts on supply, impacts on manufacturing, impact on transportation, and impact on demand has been created at the same time. 
what we have seen before in terms of supply chain disruption, occasionally it was regional disruption, but this pandemic is a global disruption. That's mean your suppliers, manufacturer, and your all stakeholders have been impacted. Also, we have seen deep uncertainties. That's when the level of impact was unknown. If you say supply failure or supply delay, but it was really unknown how long it was delayed for and how, how, what would be the impact in future. So that is not, could not be estimated at the beginning. Also, we have seen dynamic impacts. That's mean uh, some region uh, opening up, some reg- other region closing up. Also, we have seen few waves of this pandemic, first wave, second wave, third wave. That's mean the varying impacts. Sometimes we feel that, okay, we are now going to open, but in a few days later, we have seen that the situation is getting worse. So that's mean how you deal these dynamic impacts and also unknown impacts. So that's why if you see the challenges, mostly it is ended by economic challenges. That's mean in terms of money in business, they lose the revenue and other things. But if you see, consider your supply chain, it is mostly uh, created operational challenges. So that's mean your network, transportation network disrupted, your suppliers operation disrupted, your manufacturing disrupted because of loss of talent, social distancing, border closure, many other things happened during the pandemic. So that's why all of these operational challenges lead to economic loss and downturn. But I would say this pandemic is unique and created unique challenges we haven't seen before. So that's why we need to come with some advanced to learn techniques to resolve these unique challenges we are facing now. I mean, it's tricky to try and accurately forecast this, though. I mean, when Sydney went into its second lockdown uh, in, I think it was end of June, I remember going into, what, JB Hi-Fi, picking up a games console on this idea of it'll be seven days, there's nothing to worry about, we can weather the storm. Now, if you are trying to coordinate for the delivery of tons of different materials, when all of a sudden you have these uncontrollable factors. How can, say, like a, a retailer think into the future with, with a global supply chain? What processes actually go into trying to gauge this risk? It is hard to forecast, but it is not hard to prepare yourself. So this is something we talk time to time and more frequently. Why not you improving your resiliency by preparing yourself so that you can respond and recover quickly? How can you increase recovery or how can you improve resiliency? That is a good topic to discuss now. Because what we have seen, I have been doing some research and have published several researches. What we have seen previously, most of the managers or decision makers focused on money when they make the decision. That's when we call it cost-efficient supply chain. I can say Brian would be capable to give more information on that. But if this is true, that's mean cost-focused supply chain, we need to focus on resilience-focused supply chain. So that's mean we need to change or improve the resiliency in every node. You cannot build resiliency by yourself. 
if you are a retailer or a manufacturer, resiliency will come from your other partners and including you. So what you are doing with them, how you are helping to develop all partners so that you can deal the crisis together. And what about the national collaboration? Whatever we have seen during the pandemic, we failed to bring a national level collaboration in terms of supply chain. When we had crisis, can you remember, at the beginning of the pandemic, we have shortage of toilet paper, mostly because that was highlighted in media. We had out of stock for a long time and people became crazy. And that time we could recall that our premier in NSW, she requested every businesses to come forward and utilize their resources to improve their resiliency and you know, resolve this national level crisis. Have you seen that? Have you gained the advantage from that level of national level collaboration? I don't think so. Because not our manufacturer in Australia, what we have seen so far, they make their decision individually. They don't make close collaboration among others or not only collaboration with manufacturer, you need to expand your collaboration with other partners. So we call it social capital. That means whatever resources we have at a total level, you took the advantage of it and sharing that resources among everyone to improve your resiliency to tackle the impact of a crisis. But this did not happen during the pandemic. But I believe in future, that is a mandatory task now. You need to increase your collaboration. You need to increase your capabilities so that you can plan, replan. The supply chain planning is not a static thing. You need to plan, replan. You're talking about that we see this level of collaboration and social capital. Now, arguably, in certain industries, collaboration and social capital are kind of anathema to business and and anathema to how these businesses work against each other in the market to draw in consumers. Brian, in terms of what we actually did see, what did actually happen in the retail sector? How did people weather not only the lockdowns, but also the issues with the global supply chain? You know, the retail sector is so varied in size, scale, reach, touch. You know, there's there's no doubt that if we talk through the first lockdown phase, in particular when, you know, we had government-assisted programs and so forth, JobKeeper and the like, it held a lot of retailers um, and it enabled a lot of retailers to survive through that period. If we talk to the smaller end of the retail spectrum, this Christmas coming in particular, I think will be a real watershed for many of these businesses. And in fact, what's interesting, when we look at the publicly listed retailers through that window, in fact, many of them, particularly retailers that had anything to do with home, home improvement and so forth in their business and aided with JobKeeper, produced better than 2019 and 2018 results. Premier Group, JV Hi-Fi, to name a few, and there are many others. So we saw retail as a bit of a divided camp in that sense. In terms of the supply chain, I do take the point about collaboration Sanjay makes very well. The the interesting piece here, of course, is that to your point, Toby, retailers are ultra competitive by nature. And if we look at the $360 billion that is spent, of which 90 is uh, thereabouts is the supermarket business, What we see is a very sharp focus on uh, competition, 
outperforming one another on the premise of value, position, price, and so forth. Of that $360 billion that I talked about, if you took an average cost of goods sold of 50%, which would be very average, there's about $180 billion worth of stock floating in the economy, if you like, across all these sectors. The challenge is not so much the quantity of stock, but the quality of stock. And as we come into a period now through late November to end of January, where 30% again or thereabouts, slightly over, of the retailer's business is done in this window, uh, and it's roughly around 56 to 60 billion, we're seeing pressure on new products, innovative products, category leader lines. And if anything, what we'll also see will be a cleansing of stock categories and profiles, uh, which will be a healthy sign for retailers. It'll actually give them a chance to move through some more slightly aged stock, but it will take different tactics in the physical stores, different tactics online. Recently, we had Anthony Herity speak with us, the CEO of Super Retail, and he lamented about the stock shortage. So they're thinking of strategies to sell what they have. Now, in terms of collaboration, there are many manufacturers, particularly in Asian markets, who supply a product to multi-brand retailers. And so forward planning, category mix planning, open to buy planning are all tools of the better retailers. We will see what will happen through this Christmas New Year, in our view, is that we will have a very strong selling period, particularly if all physical retailers are able to open, particularly if we have the gates open for tourism. And, and to my earlier point, that pent-up demand will drive. The stock profile and the outcome of that from about March, April, May, both in terms of cash flow generated, profitability, and ageing profiles of stock will determine for many retailers their strategy of growth, uh, contraction, omnichannel, or in some smaller retailer cases, uh, it may prove to be challenging. A lot of the reporting around the Christmas retail period, though, it's been suggested that there are certain issues regarding this stock, regarding supply chains that will impact what people can buy for, for Christmas. So there's some reporting that's even suggested that, well, if you haven't done your, your shopping for certain goods by now, then, well, if you order them today, you're not going to get them in time for December 25. Brian, are there certain products that you think are going to be impacted by these stock shortages? We have to get quite specific in that level or that line of inquiry. Traditionally, you know, electronics, that sort of products have been very strong over Christmas. If we look at that category, there's definitely pressure on the supply chain. There's definitely going to be some shortages. Whether it's profound as that report might indicate, we have to get down to the specific skew, quite frankly, to understand. There's no doubt, though, that the leading retailers, and including in the electronics category, are concerned about stock shortages and they're they're concerned about its impact on their sales forecast. Having said that, as we record this now, if the product's not landed literally within the next two to three weeks, two weeks really, and cleared, it's very unlikely that they'll have that product anyway. That's a fair point. And uh, also, you know, there have been issues regarding uh, delivery with uh, OzPost currently under a bit sure. of uh, pressure. Now, look, a lot of retail can broadly be described as following that just-in-time 
model, customer demand has remained pretty high over the lockdown periods, it seems, particularly with the growth in online shopping. Should we maybe be thinking about different models other than just-in-time delivery? Instead of, if I order it now, I'm going to get it to my door tomorrow? Should we be moving away from that type of shipping? Or, you know, is that trying to bolt the gate after the horse has already left? What's happening, of course, in retail, as it is in many other, all sectors for that matter, is the ongoing enhancement of technology-based information-seeking, data-gathering, predictive technologies. Even the early growth of artificial intelligence is starting to change and digitalization of the supply chain is starting to change the way that retailers are operating. It will change the format of retail largely to less physical inventory in shops, more sale by sample. Um, Online fulfillment is changing as a consequence. So, Toby, I think your question is, is a good one. Those models will start to change by definition of a resizing and a technology infused, if you like, retail distribution that is starting with us now and is only growing? Yeah, I believe uh, relying on the just-in-time approach may not be always suitable for for any retail business. And you cannot expect your delivery tomorrow because during this Christmas period, this is not going to happen because the issues with supply chain, demand supply issues during Christmas, that is common in every year. But this year, it is different because we already recovered from the impacts of the pandemic. And also we did not have our Christmas last year, but we are expecting a good Christmas in this year. So that's why demand has been significantly increased, especially for electronics products, as Brad said. So in that case, just in time, maybe our total supply chain partners, including retailers, may need to think how they can improve customer experience. So that's mean, if, if retailers open, keep opening their store, we can go there by, but the problem is we go there and we see products are out of the store. So that means if you order in online, it could be delayed, you know, but if you go to the physical store, the products could be out of the store. So there are risks in both sides. So that's why, how do you prepare? Because you knew that Christmas is coming every year. So you already know that. That's when you have information, then why not you preparing yourself to cover these impacts? So you could enforce that you need a big level of inventories, but I would say not only inventories, how can you develop each other? That's when develop your suppliers, develop yourself, develop manufacturer, so that you can streamline this manufacturing and distribution so that we can expect those products within a short time and we can keep those products both in physical store and for online. Because as a retailer, if you have your products in a stock, it may not take long time to deliver to your customer because retailers are located closer to the customer. But if you have your upstream supply chain, that means your manufacturing side, your supply side is not well managed. If everyone cannot deliver on time, that will ultimately create a recall effect your supply chain and ultimately will lead to out of stock and delayed delivery. My perspective is here, you should prepare yourself long before. Prepare means not that you need to stop it, 
you need to work with your partners so that you can work together during this Christmas time and get the desirable products and services available so that you can increase your reputation as well. There's currently 134,500 retailers in our country, yeah. in Australia. We, we have to expect and we understand and we see a wide range of sophistication. Yeah. And, and it's Pareto, effectively, 20% of the largest retailers dominate 80% of overall gross. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we have to sort of look at this from a level of sophistication. I can tell you, even linking sales forecasts to open to buy and having that sort of architecture is not in the domain or bandwidth of every retailer. And we also have many intermediates that are distributors that collate goods and so forth and then on-sell to retailers. That's quite common as well. And one of the great costs of retail, frankly, is the working capital cost. So it is a really key area to be looking at. But there's quite a range of retailers. If we go back to something you said at the very beginning, Brian, you know, the notion of retail as a social process. And if you think in particular about Christmas, which is a very profitable time, there is that social aspect of going into stores, having a browse, seeing what stock is available, listening to terrible carols being pumped in at all times. How much of that social aspect is going to draw people back to in-store shopping, even though we've all become quite attached to the convenience of opening a browser, putting an order in, having something turn up on the front step. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, there's 1,350 or so shopping centres in our country. 85% of all retail is done on the coast as it mirrors the population's. We are third in the world for shopping space per capita per square metre. So we have a density of shopping relative to our population that's third behind the US and Canada. We are habitually grown up with the malls. The malls have been with us since the early 60s. And high street shopping, which has seen a bit of a resurgence through COVID, is about 15% of the overall mix. So the idea of, of us going Australians have loved shopping malls. They've loved the experience, the dwell time, the range, the convenience, and all those aspects. But above all, they enjoyed the, the psychology, if you like, or the pathology of being inclusive. So these social hubs, these social environments. What we're seeing with shopping centres, for example, is an evolution to continue to cater more and more for that fundamental social driver and create experiences in the malls, experiences in their retailers. And that, by definition, differentiates away from the more, as you say, convenience, price, range, fulfilment model of online shopping. And then the two of them ideally work. And in fact, we've just seen Westfield announce Westfield Direct, where they will collate individual retailers' online sales uh, into a central portal. Uh, we've seen the growth of click and collect. We've seen the growth of endless aisle from retailers. These are all adaptations to that omni-channel environment that I touched on. The other quick comment about online is that uh, whilst it's at that 13 14% currently of online, it's interesting, particularly in fashion, and fast fashion for that matter, about 30% of all products is returned free of charge to the retailer. Uh, with free returns, of which 25% of that is, or 75% is unsaleable. And so profitability 
which is another topic, is uh, under some challenge for pure play retail. And that's why you see this capital investment into the architecture of IT, the architecture of supply channel, the architecture of physical retail, less shops with good online. And you see the investment into business information systems that can tell us customer product information in real time. And then we're starting to get more sophisticated. Now, of that 135,000 retailers, I'd hazard a guess there's probably 40% to be generous that are doing this and thinking this way and adapting this way. And then the customer has a far more beneficial in-stock position than the balance. Retail and, and this industry is going to be important as not only as a marker of consumer confidence after a very long 18 months, but also going forward. Is a big Christmas very important for a lot of these retailers? And if they are suffering from supply chain issues, is that going to be a bit of a death knell for a, a few of these retailers out there? Uh, in terms of look forward in future, I believe now we need to focus on building resiliency in both domestic and global supply chain. The problem is you cannot build resiliency in overnight. You need to come with a proper risk management plan and investment in resources, as Brian said, investment in uh, architectural things and you know real-time information processing, those sort of things. Also, in terms of uh, risk management and other resources uh, allocated for risk management, and collaborating with your local and international partners. Also making your supply chain short, because currently we have seen supply chain is a long, really a long supply chain. And also bringing most critical manufacturing in onshore. So that's mean we are nearshoring, whatever we say, onshoring or nearshoring, so that we can get the advantage of those uh, lead time and delivery time. And when you can improve entirely about this you know, total concept of risk management, the benefit will be visible in mid to long term. So that's why in future, Christmas will come in every year, but it is irrespective of Christmas for your entire supply chain for any time. Think about this risk management, importance of risk management and developing and integrating this risk management as part of the organizational culture and uh, focus on these things because risk management, again, is a dynamic plan so that you need to keep your resource allocated for these risk management things going for future and take the advantage from there. Uh, well, retail is the second largest employer in the country and of that contribution, the fundamental question in my mind is, Will we have a, a good Christmas? Will we bounce back as such? There's no doubt that this period will be a bit of a watershed, particularly at that smaller end of town, if you like, for a lot of specialty retailers who, or some specialty retailers who weathered the lockdowns, have deferred supplier payments as best they could, deferred ATO payments, and find themselves reliant on a good Christmas. Now, if they can maintain full margin and do 30 to 40% of their business in that window, they will have a very successful period. And we hope that's the case. Overall, we remain optimistic. Every year in around the March, April, May period, there is always a bit of an adjustment. But it's interesting, even in the last three months, as we've 
seen malls reopen. We've seen a lot of very good work from the mall operators and the high street precinct planners around mix, supporting retailers, uh, a lot of good work being undertaken at that small SME end of retail. So we're confident that if, with the caveat that all shops are able to open, borders are open, and we're able to take in uh, a tourist sector is open, because tourism is a major driver of retail, and it's a $60 billion business in its own right directly, with a large you know, onflow, if you like, to other businesses. So if we're able to get all those pieces in play, I think you'll see we'll have a very good Christmas. And then I think second through to third quarter will be a little more challenging for many. But overall, the underlying strength is still pretty solid. That's all for today. Thank you to my guests, Brian Walker and Sanjoy Paul. You can catch the full show online wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out and don't forget to tell your friends or leave a review. I'm your host, Toby Hemmings. Stay safe and I'll catch you back here next week. Listener.